You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. Well, praise the Lord. Well, it's an exciting day to get into God's Word. If you've been tracking with us, we've been preaching through the book of Acts, and today we're going to finish the book, uh, or sorry, chapter five. We're going to kind of move our way through chapter five, and I'm not going to read all of chapter five today, and after first service, it, I felt kind of weird, so I want to kind of just acknowledge that we're not going to read the whole story. Hopefully you've been reading, pre-reading, or you can certainly post-read after, but this first section, the first five chapters in the book of Acts, we have kind of talked about it uh, as a, the theme for the first five chapters is created with purpose. The idea that there was an identity for the early church and there's an identity for each of us that we have been created with purpose, that God had a plan for the church and he has a plan for every single one of us. Are you in agreement? Do you believe that? Okay. All right. About six of you. That's good. Well, the church, they understood that they had a call. And of course, they had been with Jesus for three years, these disciples. And they're saying, all right, this is our chance. We're going to make it happen with the strength of, of, of the Lord. And what's interesting is you look at this in the first five chapters, the church had something that a lot of churches struggle getting and understanding in our context today. And what they, a lot of churches struggle to get and to understand is impact and influence. Within the first five chapters of Acts, which represents probably a year or less of time within the first church, seven different times we hear things like this. People were in awe. There were the favor was over all the people. The onlookers were astonished. More and more believed. 3,000 added, 5,000 added to the church. And in Acts chapter 5, in the context of what we're studying today, in verse 28, it said that you filled Jerusalem with your teaching. In other words, within a short period of time, the message of the gospel, the message of Jesus was resonating in Jerusalem. And if you fast or not fast forward, you rewind to Acts chapter 1, Remember the command that Jesus said was to make disciples in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. It started with Jerusalem, and they were accomplishing that by chapter 5. You with me? The early church, they were making a difference. And it prompts me to ask the question, what kind of difference are we making? If we were plucked out of West Michigan and we ceased to exist tomorrow, would there be a vacancy in our community? I hope so. And then I even got more personal. I said, what if I cease to exist? And if I challenge you, what if you cease to exist over the next week or two? In your family, at school, at work, in your neighborhood, would the lives of those around you feel a void? And I'm not talking about just your presence. I'm talking spiritually here. Would there be a spiritual void if you were all of a sudden not to exist? I'm talking about impact and influence spiritually. How can we impact our culture, church? How can I impact my culture? What would it take to be influential in our world, in the world that we 
exist. And that's what we want to talk about. And I'm convinced that if we all understood our created purpose, what God created us to do, uh, we, and if we took our faith seriously, it would make a difference in our lives and in those around us. And I think the verse, uh, verse 5 or chapter 5, verse 28, you filled Jerusalem with your teaching. Imagine with me if we filled all of the lakeshore with the teachings of Jesus. Can you imagine filling the lakeshore with Jesus, what that would be like? Where Jesus would be on our lips, on, in our conversations. And I'm not talking about just talking about the weather and saying, oh, isn't God good? It's a beautiful day. I would say you would avoid things about the economy and politics and sports, and I know that's hard for some, but where Jesus would be at the center of our conversations. Imagine what that would be like. It would make a difference. So how could this be accomplished? There's some keys in chapter 5 that will help us. And when you boil it all down, it, it would take each of us being intentional. This would not happen by happenstance. It would not happen by accident. Each of us being intentional with the Lord's help would make the difference. And there's three keys that we see in chapter 5 that are important if we're going to influence the society. The first one is this, is an intentional, being intentional about integrity. Integrity. In Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, we studied it last Sunday, the theme was purity. It was about integrity the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And if you're with us, you got the full picture, but they were acting like they gave it all, but they were lying to the church and ultimately they were lying to the Holy Spirit. There was hypocrisy within the church. They were saying and doing the right things on the outside, but they had some carnality on the inside. There was a disconnect. If we are going to influence our culture, church, we must be pure, period. It is impossible to have impact when people are living in sin. And you know, I wrote that in my notes, and, and when I wrote that out, I paused for a second, and I realized that that might not be 100% true. Because I know that God, He can use anything, and He can use, if He can use a donkey like He did with Balaam, He can use a sinner to advance his kingdom. And so, and it's actually kind of scary when you think about it, that you could be acting on the outside, totally sinning on the inside, and God could still use you. That's kind of scary. But I think as a rule, when we uh, address the area of purity in our lives, it advances us and it moves the gospel forward in a, in a better way. How many of you would agree with me? You know, I think about it, the U.S. church and maybe if you would identify it as a lessened or reduced impact over this last season, over the last years, um, I believe that part of that reason would be because there, it's hard to tell the difference between uh, a follower of Christ and just someone that's worldly. The church mirrors the world more than the world mirroring the church, and it's an integrity issue. I was studying the book of Exodus with the staff, and uh, we're going through a commentary by Wearsby, uh, Bobby and Bruce and I, and uh, I got into Leviticus this week, and at the beginning of Leviticus, you know, it's not one of those books that you're, you're all excited usually to study, but in the commentary, it's, it said the whole theme of Leviticus is being holy, 
And I really, it, and I was studying this and, and I was doing that in my devotion time. It's just like 1 Peter chapter 1 says, be holy as I am holy. And it really starts here. And with Ananias and Sapphira, if you were here last week, they were taken out. They, were, they died because of their sin against the Holy Spirit. And you say, man, that seems awfully strict. Well, there is a pattern in Scripture in, in, in relating to the importance of integrity. At the beginning of an era, it's important for uh, precedence to be, to be established. And we see that in Leviticus chapter 10. At the beginning, when the priests are ministering, uh, they're, they're selected and then they're ministering, uh, Nadab and Abihu, they were wiped out because of this sin in their lives. In Joshua chapter 7, and I know I'm kind of nerding out, you can kind of look at this later, but Joshua 7, Israel is entering into the promised land, and Achan hides some of the spoils underneath his tent. And he hides it, what happens to Achan? He's taken out. He dies. So, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 6, 1-7, through 7, they're bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem and kind of setting precedence at the uh, beginning of a new era. And someone reaches out, Uzzah does, and touches and dies. And now in the early church, Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira, they're as precedence and an integrity issue they are brought before the church, they're examined, they lie to the church and to the Holy Spirit, and they are removed. It started with integrity. And impact is hard when people are lying and when they're living in sin, when there's hypocrisy. How many know uh, impact is tough when that's the case? The second key, if we're going to influence the culture, not only do we need integrity, but we also must be dependent on the Holy Spirit. This is really key. If you've been tracking with us, you've seen kind of a pattern uh, here. But in the chapter 5, verse 12, it says they perform many signs and wonders. Verse 14, more and more uh, men and women believed. By the way, that's the first time women were mentioned. In uh, verses 15 and 16, it says those that were sick, they wanted to be close enough that their shadow, the shadow of the apostles would, would pass by and they believed that they would be healed. Now, it doesn't say that they were healed, but uh, there was some superstition around a shadow and, and uh, they believed. But in verse 16, it was super clear that everyone that they prayed for at that time, they were all healed in Jesus' name. Verse 16. Verse 18, of course, they were in jail and they had some angelic visitations. Verse 29, they were preaching with authority. You say, how did the apostles go from being just ordinary men? Of course, they spent time with Jesus, but how did they uh, get to this kind of influence? They were dependent on the Holy Spirit. You go back to Acts chapter 1, they waited. They were instructed to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit, and they did. They were baptized with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, and then we see Peter preaching. It was Holy Spirit power. Then in Acts chapter 3, they were healing and using Jesus' name. Acts chapter 4, it says again, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The idea that they were continually filled with the Holy Spirit. And I believe that if we are going to have impact, if you are going to have impact in your life, you need the same Holy Spirit power. Every single one of us. It is not a luxury. It's an absolute necessity. We must be operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. In the early church, they, saw, they sought it out. 
And then when they got the power, they utilized it. They just didn't hold on to it themselves. The apostles, they were dependent on the Holy Spirit, and it propelled the church forward. They prayed for it, they asked for it, and they received the power from on high, and they utilized it. And I want to encourage us today, and when we get to the end of the message, we're going to have an opportunity to ask the Holy Spirit to, to fill us up to overflowing and to send us out. And that is the priority, to seek out that power and then to utilize it. So we see, first of all, the integrity here. Secondly, we see the power of the Holy Spirit, the, the, the need for the Holy Spirit. But there's a third key, and this is a tough one. If we are going to influence our culture, we must be persistent even in the face of persecution. In Acts chapter 5, verse 17, the, the church, the Jewish church there, the synagogue, the rulers, they were filled with jealousy and it caused back, backlash. The apostles in verse 18 were all arrested, all 12 of them, instantly in prison ministry. How about that? And then they were released by angelic visitation. Uh, it's interesting that the Sadducees, they didn't believe in angels, and it was an angel that allowed the disciples to walk, go free. And uh, how cool is that? And then in verse 27, again, they're in front of the Sanhedrin, in front of the high priest. And uh, it's an incredible story. You've got to read it in all of its context. But here we see over and over they were persecuted for their faith, for sharing in the name of Jesus. It was like they were before the Supreme Court or the Senate, and they did not back down. The disciples were bold. They were not afraid. And when we talked about persecution back in chapter 4 for a bit, we highlighted a verse, and I want to turn there and kind of highlight it again to remind ourselves of what is coming for those that love God and that are committed to His uh, to making his name famous. Let's look at it. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Again, if you want to live a godly life, if you want to be a Christ follower, and you want to make it known, you're saying, hey, I want to make a difference in this world. I, want, I know I was created with purpose, and God helped me to do it. Look what is about to happen, or what is guaranteed in your life. Look at it, verse 12. It says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life and I would put in there, who wants to make a difference, right? In Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It's not might be persecuted. You will be persecuted. In our culture, what that means is that you will probably annoy a few people as you make the name of Jesus famous. People will probably insult you at some level if you make the name of Jesus a priority. You will be insulted for your boldness. People will ask you to tone it down and say, hey, you've said that before. Just keep it to yourself. People can be relentless, but I want to just challenge you. And I'm challenging myself to say it again, to make it Jesus' name a priority in our context, in our day-to-day -day. It's easy to give up, and I know some of you have shared over and over with family or with neighbors or with coworkers. Some of you haven't, and you need to, but for those of you that have tried before, this is the season to get re-energized and say, all right, I'm back at it, even if or even when 
I am persecuted. And when we understand why we're created, we can live in that space and say, all right, God, you can use me. I'm going to bring you up in my conversations. I'm going to make your name famous. I'm going to make your name known. And that's our call. That's what we were created to do. What is it going to take to make an impact? It's not a clever slogan that we come up with as a staff. And even a mission statement, you know, uh, maybe repeating that, oh, we're going to connect with God, with each other, with the world. That is not going to make an impact in itself. Uh, if we got a billboard along the highway, how many know that even as cool as that would be, we, that is not going to make the impact that we're talking about or the influence. We could get radio ads or commercial ads or even cool bumper stickers, which I think we should, but, uh, but, uh, but how many know that those things are all secondary? Those, the, uh, third, I mean, uh, the, the way down the line. Listen, the impact we're talking about is you sharing the name of Jesus wherever you go. It's going to take people standing up in their place of work, where they live, in their businesses, at school, and sharing about Jesus and sharing the gospel story. And I understand some of you are thinking, boy, I don't know any non-believers. And we've talked about this before, back in the fall. And you say, man, I don't rub shoulders with that many people that don't know Jesus. And I would say that we all have people in our lives that need the Lord. And if you really can't think of someone in your life on a regular basis, you need to change where you get gas or where you get groceries and get some new people in your life so you can share. My guess is, though, it doesn't take us very long to think of a person or two or go a neighbor or two down that need to hear about the gospel. When we live with that kind of passion, saying, boy, this is burning inside of me, that anytime, anywhere, anyhow, I will make Jesus known, I believe it's when we do that, that impact and influence is possible. What, would the, world, what the world needs is for each of us to boldly, persistently share the gospel. I feel like I'm saying it a hundred times, but let's say it together. To boldly, persistently share the gospel. What are we called to do? We are called to boldly, persistently share the gospel. One more time for just because. Boldly, persistently sharing the gospel. And listen. Jesus was persecuted, and you will be persecuted as well. And I know that's not fun to say, but it's just the truth. Persecution will lead to evangelism for openness there. And you say, man, it just doesn't make sense. In my mind, when I was thinking about this, you know, persecution is the last thing we want, right? No one likes to be avoided or to be insulted or to be beaten or to be, you know, killed for that matter. Uh, but you, you might think, boy, if I was going to make a difference, I should try to fit in, right? Or try to become popular and then I'll have influence. No, that's not what the Bible calls us to. Purity and the power of the Holy Spirit will make waves. And when we make those waves, there will be persecution. Persecution is inevitable. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news. <laughs> and let me just ask you, and we asked it a couple weeks ago, are you being persecuted? And if you are, I want you to see 
those open doors, uh, or I want you to see that as an open door for advancing the kingdom of God. And if that's your perspective, we can endure just about anything. The early church, they had it. They understood it. And what I'm talking about is influence and impact. How is that going to happen here at the Gateway Church or in West Michigan? I want you to imagine with me, what if just the people in this service, forget first service, what if just each and every one of us understood our created purpose and got busy and really started to share every time, everywhere we went, talking about Jesus? What if you did that, seriously, in your work, where you play sports, at your school, and you're saying, boy, if I did that, that would, I'd probably be persecuted, <laughs> right? That, that's probably the truth. Well, the, the disciples in Acts chapter 5, that's exactly what they did. And when you read through the, this uh, story, verse 29 says, Peter and the other apostles, they replied in the face of persecution, says, we must obey God rather than human beings. Verse 32, they said, we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. In other words, they're saying, look, we will be a witness. We will not back down, and we are going to obey God more than we obey man. And the result of that was that they made an incredible impact. You say, well, well, look, read the next verse. Well, yes, they, the people that heard this, they were furious. Look at it. Verse 33 says, when they heard this, that's the, the Jews, that's the Sadducees, the, the, the Sanhedrin. When they heard this, the Pharisees, they were furious and they wanted to put them to death. I was thinking about it. Is there anyone here, and please respond if this is the case, is there anyone that has shared the name of Jesus, shared the gospel, and someone has wanted to kill you in your life? All right, yes. We've got one, and you've got a story, I'm sure, to go with that, probably in your death metal band. Yeah, yeah. And uh, maybe we'll hear that at some point. But that's pretty rare these days to be persecuted to that point. What I'm saying is you're not most likely going to be persecuted to that point in this culture. But you will be persecuted. And are you willing to go and do, are you willing to make the name of Jesus known? What will you be known for? Are you willing to be bold, to have crazy courage, to have no fear and that courage being infectious? Well, if we're going to do that, we need integrity, number one. We need an incredible dependency on the Holy Spirit and we need to be persistent in the face of that persecution. Now, I want to wrap this up in looking at that last bit of Acts chapter 5. In Acts chapter 5, verses 33 through 39, we, we see that the, the people there, they're furious at, at uh, Peter and the disciples and they're wanting to put him to death. And uh, one of the Pharisees steps forward. His name is Gamaliel. And uh, what's interesting, he's a teacher of the law. And he was kind of well-respected. And he gives this idea. He says, look, let's just let these guys be. He says, if they, if they are from God, 
uh, you know, we're not going to stop them anyway, but if they're from human uh, resource, if they're just kind of man-made, uh, it'll fizzle out, and uh, that's actually not 100% true. Think about uh, the human uh, aspects to other religions, you know, Buddhists and the, the, the influence that they've had, and Hindus and Muslims and, and uh, Jehovah's Witness and Mormons. Uh, a lot of those man-made religions are, are exceeding, uh, and so his idea was not quite right. But, but look what he says, verse 38 says, Therefore, in the present case, he says, I advise you. He says, look, he gives two examples of, of others that's rised up and then ended up being... Uh, uh, scattered, all the disciples were scattered, scattered uh, of uh, Judas, and who was the other guy? Uh, didn't write it down, but anyway, uh, but look at what it says. It says, leave these men alone, let them go, for if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail, maybe, most of the time, but not always. Verse 39, this is the truth, uh, but it, if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. That's the truth. You will only find yourself fighting against God. And so we get to this point, and then we move into the last little bit, and I want to encourage us here that the disciples, they understood what was happening, and they didn't run. Look what it says. After his speech, they persuaded him. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. If you've ever studied this, it's not a Roman flogging at this point. It's a Jewish uh, flogging, uh, or a, uh, yeah, Jewish. But listen, it was still a crazy beating. And, uh, and that would have been very, very painful. And they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let him go. Again, most likely in our culture, in our context, it would be very rare for someone to be beat or to be flogged in any way. But it could happen. But he, regardless, look at verse 41. The apostles, they left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they'd been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. That's the name of Jesus. And then it finishes off day after day in the temple courts and from house to house. They never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. They never stopped. They were effective. They had impact. They had influence. They were productive. And again, I ask us, what will it take in our lives and here at the Gateway Church to influence our culture, to see our vision statement fulfilled? We talk about our mission statement a lot, that we're here to connect with God, with each other, with the world. But our vision statement is to be a healthy, multiplying church known for making an impact in our community and in the world. And what will it take to see that vision fulfilled? It will take each of us taking the initiative. It takes initiative. And I want to encourage you to take the initiative. Again, it's not a building that's going to save people. It's going to be you taking the initiative to share the gospel. It's not the spring stock up, which is in two weekends away, which that event on its uh, own is a highlight for us as a church. And it's an incredible opportunity. But us doing that as a church is not as important as you sharing the gospel wherever you go, including the spring stock up, come and serve with us. You could go on a missions trip and, and be a part of a team or, or to support, and that is not going to be as important as you sharing your faith. Or the backpack drive, 
each of us. And we've kind of talked about this. Pastor Bruce kind of mentioned this in his uh, announcement earlier on, that we have six weeks from now through Easter and then to our Baptism Sunday, which is April 15th. What if we were all energized and we each took the initiative, and I'm talking to myself as well, to reach the one person in our lives that needs Jesus more than anything. What would that look like? I want you to dream with me. In fact, the worship team, if you would come, and we want to kind of, kind of bring us to a place where we could dream together about the impact of what it would be like if we reached our one, number one, we brought them to Jesus, shared our faith, led them to the Lord in our conversation. They get saved. They get water baptized just six weeks from today. What would that look like in your context? Can you even imagine that happening? It would be incredible. It would be like revival, wouldn't it? Could you dream with me? Could you believe God? for that kind of influence, that kind of impact? At some point, church, we have to adopt what we see in the book of Acts. In chapter 5, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and it was, they were filled continually. They had integrity. They dealt with the purity issues, with the hypocrisy. I want to pause here for a second. As I was praying, I added a few notes. There's, there are some, no doubt, that are struggling with the purity in their lives, with integrity. In your life, you're cheating, you're lying, you're watching things that you shouldn't watch. Maybe you've been desensitized. Maybe it's in a sexual nature, or maybe it's in another area. We need to stand for righteousness. The early church, they, they did. The Bible says to be holy as I am holy. That's incredible. Not only were they filled with the Holy Spirit, they had integrity, but they, in the face of persecution, they were persistent. They didn't back down. They permeated the culture with the gospel. They were talking and living the things of God. Those are the things, the ingredients that we need to adopt as well. The big question is, what price are you willing to pay to see that be a reality in your life? First service, we had a gentleman that was here. Some of you know him. Just a few weeks back, he had the opportunity to share the gospel story with his one it was his best friend growing up. They had grown up together, and, um, and he shared his testimony first service kind of on the spot. I asked him during a, a time of prayer. I said, hey, would you share? And he said, absolutely. And he shared, and maybe we'll put it online. I'm not sure, but um, he shared about uh, his friend had suffered from leukemia for six years. And back in the fall, when we talked about reaching our one, he wrote down his friend's name. And he had been praying for opportunity, but nothing kind of emerged. And well, over the last month, 
the leukemia got worse. He got sick, and his mom, the, the guy's mom up in Traverse City, called Sean. Sean made a trip up uh, on the last little bit, on the last weekend of this guy's life. And Sean Schlegel, that's who it was, he asked his mom, the, this guy, his friend's mom, to give him a moment together. And in that moment, Sean led his friend to the Lord. And first service, we see Sean. He's a big guy. He's a manly man. You guys, you guys, know, yeah, that's your dad. Yeah, you know. And he's, he's crying, telling the story of the impact. So grateful for the opportunity to reach his one. And it made me think, man, no one in our life, including ourselves, are guaranteed tomorrow. We don't know how much time we have. And with that perspective, I'm saying, Lord, help us, help me to pay whatever, whatever the cost to reach one more. That's why I asked Pastor Bobby to sing the song, Have It All. And I'm just sensing for the time's sake, I want to kind of move to the altar first and then we'll kind of sing if that's okay. Um, I'm going to ask everyone to stand here for a moment and, and I just want to challenge us in our hearts as we bring this to a close. I believe the Holy Spirit is prompting in our hearts. There's a sense like, Man, I've got to do this. I've got to make a difference. And we want to capitalize on that. We want to, we want to fan the flame in your life to see that happen. But before we do, we've got to identify a few things. And I'm going to ask that you'd bow your heads and close your eyes. No doubt in a crowd this size, there are those, maybe many, that are struggling with integrity in some way. As you heard me talk about the early church having integrity, and even as I talk about it now, there's a sense that the Holy Spirit is stirring inside of you. If that's you and you're saying, man, I need to get some things right in my life in regards to purity, in regards to integrity, I'm just going to ask that you'd raise your hand right where you are. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Lots of hands. Same as first service. Who else? This is an important one. Say, man, I, I just need to get some things straight. Yep, I see it. Who else? The second piece is this idea of being continually filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're saying, Pastor, man, if I'm going to make a difference, I really need that second point. I've got to be dependent on the Holy Spirit. And the reality is I've been trying to do it on my own. And so with a show of hands, say, man, I need to be more dependent on the Holy Spirit. Just raise your hand as well. Yeah, me too. Say, man, if I'm going to make a difference, if I'm going to reach my neighbor, if I'm going to reach my coworker, if I'm going to make a difference at school, I better have that power behind me. Yeah, put your hand down. And then in the third piece, I get it. Sometimes it's scary to think that we'd be persecuted, that we'd be singled out, 
that we be called names, excluded, insulted, maybe even abused in some way for the sake of the gospel. Maybe even your life threatened. I don't know. But if you're here this morning saying, man, I want to be in a place that no matter what the cost, no matter what the price, I want to make the name of Jesus famous. I want you to raise your hand. In fact, more than raising your hand, I want you to step out from where you are and join me at the altar here. And we're going to set our hearts before the Lord and we're going to ask God uh, to take our lives. We're going to use this song as an impetus to say, Lord, you can have it all. In fact, we can go ahead and go there. Uh, Lord, I just pray that in these next few moments you challenge us to give it all. We pray it in Jesus' wonderful, awesome, and holy name. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, with our hands raised all across this place, Lord, Lord, you can have it. Hallelujah. What I want you to do, each person here from the front to the back, I want you to think of the person in your life, your one. Some of you know what that means. For others, let me explain. It's the one person in your life that you know is not serving the Lord. That if you knew that the Lord were to return today, that your, your guests, I mean, obviously we're not the judge, but you're saying, man, I don't see them making it to heaven. And that grieves you. It makes you sick to your stomach that that person wouldn't make it to heaven. Can you, can you envision that person? For many of you, it's your family, family members, maybe a child or a, uh, maybe a parent or an aunt or an uncle or a grandma or a grandpa. It could be a spouse. For some of you, it's a neighbor. For others, it's a co-worker or a friend at school. I'm praying that that person's face will be embedded in your mind. And let it wreck you. What would you give to see that person over the next six weeks? Seriously, come on. What would you give to see them give their life to Jesus and be baptized on April 15th? We were talking about this as a staff. And I said, it starts right here at this table with Bobby and Bruce and with me and Rachel and Bonnie. I think that's who was there. Saying, what would, you would give anything, wouldn't you? What would you give? What price? There's no price you could put on it. What it takes is us being intentional to make the name of Jesus famous. And I get it. We will be persecuted. And for some of you, you're saying, I'm not sure it's worth it, and you'll walk out of here, and you're going to keep it to yourself. But for those that are saying, man, it's worth the persecution, I want to pray a prayer for you. A prayer of purity, a prayer of Holy Spirit endowment, of being filled with the Holy Spirit to overflowing. 
And then when that persecution comes, that you will not back down, that you will make the name of Jesus famous wherever you go. That's the prayer I'm going to pray. Lord, I pray right now from the front to the back that you would activate us. Give us your heart for the lost, for the people in our lives that don't know you. God, I'm praying, Lord, for us to reach them. There may be, there are some that need to address the integrity issue, the purity of our hearts. You may look good on the outside, but people see through it. God, help us to be pure before you, to stand for righteousness in Jesus' name. I pray for the young lady right now that's struggling in that area in particular that's caught up in a lie that the Holy Spirit's going to give you a way out this week and it might be painful but take the way in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for each person here as well that would be full of your Holy Spirit to overflowing to tap into our prayer language to be filled Lord give us that power that comes Lord use us give us opportunity and Lord I pray that as we face persecution in the next weeks to come I pray that we would face it with dignity, that we wouldn't worry about our own reputation. We'd only be concerned about yours, Jesus. Give us your perspective, I pray. Help us in these ways. In Jesus' name. And now what I'd like you to do is right where you are, just I want you to lift your hands and just in your own way ask the Lord to use you in these next six weeks. Oh God, Use me, Lord. Use me, Lord. Activate me. Help me to be intentional, God. Lord, whatever the cost, my reputation, Lord, I give it to you. Open up the doors for opportunity, Jesus, I pray. At work and with the mom's group and with the sports God, with my neighbors and Lord, with my family members. Oh, Lord, I pray. Holy Spirit, do your work in me and through me. Use me. Come on, just where you are, tell, ask the Lord, use me, Lord. Would you use us, God, for your glory, for your honor? Jesus' name. And now as we close our time, I pray that we would take this moment, seal it in our hearts, God. And I pray that you would go before us, behind us, and all around us. Pray it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Go in the grace of God. Turn and maybe give someone a high five or a hug. And uh, we love you. Thanks for being here this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. 
If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegatewaygh.com.